The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, January 6, 2022. Coming up this hour. The sell-off continues overseas after the Fed makes a hawkish shift on policy. Bitcoin continues its slide to trade at the lowest level since December's flash crash. CDC advisors issue new guidance on COVID booster shots for teens. And the pandemic has hospitals facing their worst staffing shortage in a year. New York City's health commissioner suggests the city hasn't yet hit its COVID peak. Plus, it's the one-year anniversary of the Capitol Riot. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. Kyrie Irving made his season debut. Led the Nets to have come from behind win at Indiana. St. John's won at Figgy's Open. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And looking at futures, they're mixed this morning. We're coming up to 601 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, S&P futures are little change to higher. Dow futures up 87. NASDAQ futures down 40. Ten-year Treasury down 9.30 seconds, yields 1.73%. The yield on the two-year, 0.86%. And NYMEX crude oil is up 1.5%. Nathan. Well, Karen, let's look at yesterday's sell-off. It saw the NASDAQ drop 3.3% after the Fed signaled a more aggressive timeline for interest rate hikes. Brian Levitt is a global strategist at Invesco. This is the early stages of a tightening cycle. And as we know, it's usually not the first rate hike that matters. It's usually the last one. And, and even though we're, we're dealing with this today, as we often do uh, when we start to see signs for the first move, I still think we're a long ways away from that last rate hike that ends the cycle. Invesco Global Strategist Brian Levitt says he sees the sell-off as a buying opportunity. Ten-year Treasury yields this morning are trading at their highest level since April. And Nathan, the tech sell-off continued in Asia overnight. Japan led the declines as the Nikkei slid 2.8%. We get the details from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Karen. The MSCI Asia-Pacific Index fell for a third session in four, with a gauge of tech shares among the worst performing. The Hang Seng Tech Index fell for a fourth day. Yields spiked with Japan's tenure at its highest since April. Japanese equities suffered their worst day since June, while Australia's market had its worst day in 11 months. And Hong Kong reopening stocks were hit as the city imposed tighter restrictions for the first time in almost a year. In Singapore, Juliet Sali. Bloomberg Daybreak. Juliet, thanks. We're also seeing Bitcoin trade at its lowest level since December's flash crash. Right now it's at about $42,800. Let's get the latest from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Renita. Nathan, the Fed's hawkish tilt saw Bitcoin fall by about $3,500. Other cryptos like Ether and Binance Coin also slumped to lows not seen since October. Bitcoin's climb over the past few years coincided with strong stimulus measures by the Fed. Now the question is, how will it react as the central bank pulls back on accommodation? Since its all-time high in November, Bitcoin is down about 20%. Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. 
Renita, thank you. Turning to the pandemic now, we have a new recommendation on booster shots from the CDC. Agency advisors say vaccinated teens should now get a third dose of Pfizer shot. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. The panel says it's important for 12 to 17-year-olds to get vaccinated to keep schools open. This adds 12 to 15-year-olds to the advisory already in place. Dr. Rochelle Walensky has final say, but has said that it's important to try and cut the severity of Omicron. And she says the spread of Omicron has gone up in a straight line. Based on CDC genomic sequencing, we now estimate that Omicron represents about 95% of cases in the country. Walensky says it's important for teens to get boosted. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Ed. We continue to see the impact of Omicron on the health care system. U.S. hospitals are facing their worst staffing shortage in a year. According to Department of Health and Human Services data, about 20 percent of hospitals report critical staffing levels. That's the most since December of 2020. Meantime, Nathan, tennis star Novak Djokovic is making waves off the court. His chance to play for a 10th Australian Open title is in limbo. The country denied him entry and canceled his visa because he failed to meet requirements for an exemption to COVID vaccination rules. Scott Morrison is the Prime Minister of Australia. Rules are rules, and there are no special cases. Entry with a visa requires double vaccination or a medical exemption. I'm advised that such an exemption was not in place, and as a result, he is subject to the same rule as anyone else. Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison denies any suggestion that Djokovic is being singled out. The pandemic's impact on the labor market is also in focus, Karen. Today we get data on jobless claims plus trade and services activity. Bloomberg's Vinnie Del Judice reports. Economists say weekly jobless claims will probably hold near half-century lows as employers fill record job openings. The labor market has scored a solid recovery since the pandemic crash of 2020. Meantime, November's trade deficit could tie a record as domestic demand rebounds. Also today, data on America's service industry should signal growth, though not as robust as November when the ISM non-manufacturing index set a record. Vinny Dell, Judice Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Vinny, thank you. Fed policy front and center, but there's also other news on the central bank. Sources tell us President Biden could pick former Fed Governor Sarah Bloom Raskin for the central bank's top regulatory post. We get more from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. It's a move that would please senators demanding swift action on climate change. Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, who has been active on the climate issue, tweeted that a Raskin nomination as the Fed's vice chair for supervision would be, quote, good news. The Rhode Island Democrat says Raskin really gets it on climate, and Senator Ben Cardin of Maryland predicts Raskin will be easily confirmed. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. Charlie, thanks. And speaking of climate, we have a new entry into the electric vehicle market. General Motors is introducing a battery-powered pickup truck. CEO Mary Barra showed off the new Chevrolet Silverado at CES in Las Vegas. Meantime, when it comes to the overall industry, Barra says the chip shortage is easing, but it still is not resolved. I would say every quarter it gets a little bit better, and so we're seeing uh, a better Q1 than Q4, but we still think it's going to linger into the first half of this year, and we should be farther out of it by the end of this year. But we're not through it yet. GM CEO Mary Barra made those comments in an interview with Bloomberg's David Weston. You can catch their full conversation at Bloomberg.com. S&P futures are up four points. Dow futures up 93. NASDAQ futures still lower by 30 points. The 10-year Treasury yield 1.73%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. 
It's now 6.07 on Wall Street. We're 39 degrees in Central Park at a winter weather advisory, and we're still dealing with the accident investigation on Jericho Turnpike in Mineola. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. Americans are preparing today to mark the one-year anniversary of the Capitol riot. President Joe Biden plans to speak about unity to a politically fractured nation. Yesterday, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland spoke about the attack. Whether they were present that day or were otherwise criminally responsible for the assault on our democracy, we will follow the facts wherever they lead. Garland says more than 725 people have been arrested for their roles in the Capitol attack. The tri-state area is preparing for a new wave of winter weather. Bloomberg meteorologist Rob Carolyn has the latest. Michael, the National Weather Service has put a winter weather advisory in effect for the tri-state area from midnight tonight through noon tomorrow. A storm system passing south of the region will produce snow around midnight tonight. Should end by midday tomorrow. Tracks still a little bit up in the air, as is the strength. So right now it looks like at least a couple of inches is possible for the tri-state area. We'll probably be refining the numbers over the next 24 hours, but I could see at least one to three inches across the city, maybe a little bit more north and west of town. Michael? Rob, thank you very much. New York City Health Commissioner Dave Chotsky said the COVID data suggests the city hasn't yet hit a peak in the Omicron-fueled spike of coronavirus cases in recent weeks. Chotsky says cases are still increasing. Because we are seeing unprecedented case counts during this Omicron wave, as you know, over 30,000 cases a day uh, on the seven-day average, and we are seeing the impact in our hospitals. Dr. Chotsky encouraged New Yorkers to continue getting booster shots and wear masks. New York Governor Kathy Hochul gave her first State of the State address. Her plans put health at the top of the to-do list, including $10 billion to increase the medical workforce. A once-in-a-lifetime pandemic demands a once-in-a-lifetime response. And that's why I'm setting an ambitious goal to grow our health care workforce by 20% over the next five years. Governor Hochul also called for investments in housing and renewable energy. The judge in Ghislaine Maxwell's sex trafficking trial asked prosecutors and defense lawyers to brief her on whether a new trial is needed over media comments made by a juror. Maxwell's lawyers told the judge that it would seek a new trial because the juror failed to disclose a possible bias against Maxwell. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. All righty. Thank you, Michael. 610 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashow. All right, Nathan, there have been a lot of questions about Kyrie Irving, like why he's refused to get the vaccine, even with the mandate in New York. There's never been any question about his ability to play basketball. So there was Kyrie last night at Indiana making his season debut for the Nets. The team had originally said they didn't want him at all if it was only going to be for games on the road, but they changed their mind. And Kyrie scored 22 points in 32 minutes, helped Brooklyn to have come from behind 129 to 121 victory. So nervous. Uh, and, and naturally, you know, as a performer, I still get nervous. Uh, but that first shot was like, man, I wanted that to go in and then um, I settled down closer to the second half. Um, you know, one, once I came back out, and I just said, whatever's needed out there, I'm just going to do, and, and I know everyone's going to follow suit. Kevin Durant, as always, big part of the win. KD scores 39. The Nets ended a three-game losing streak. Knicks and Celtics tonight at the Garden. Start of a home-and-home. Home. They'll play Saturday in Boston. Rangers start a five-game road trip tonight 
in Vegas. St. John's first game since December 18th after four postponements. The Red Storm finally with their Big East opener, and what a game for Julian Champagny. 34 points, 16 rebounds. St. John's beat the Paul. 89-84. Syracuse lost by one at Miami. Villanova won by 34 over Creighton. Antonio Brown says he had an MRI in his ankle, and it confirms he has an injury that prevented him from playing last Sunday. His Tampa Bay coach, Bruce Arians, wanted him to play. They argued. Brown, of course, then took off his jersey, left MetLife Stadium. Arians then said Brown is no longer with the team, but the Bucks have still not released him. John Stash Hour, Bloomberg Sports. Okay, John, thank you. Futures are mixed at the moment. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Brought to you by Audi. Reflect on the past, celebrate the future during the season of Audi and drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your tri-state area Audi dealer today. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And futures this morning are mixed. S&P futures that will change. Dow futures up 86 points. NASDAQ futures down 49. The 10-year Treasury down 8.30 seconds. The yield 1.73%. And the yield on the two-year 0.86%. We are coming up to 6.18 on Wall Street. Time for your daily Bloomberg crypto update. And with the latest in crypto news, here's Bloomberg's Renita Young. Renita. Karen, Bitcoin is trading around 43000 today. It's lower after the Fed signaled rate increases yesterday, which made Bitcoin fall by about $3,500. Other cryptos like Ether and Binance Coin also slumped to lows not seen since October. Bitcoin's climb over the past few years has coincided with the Fed's strong stimulus measures. Now the question is how Bitcoin will react as the central bank pulls back on accommodation. Since its all-time high in November, Bitcoin has lost about 20% of its value. Other crypto sectors are also under pressure this morning. Bitcoin mining stocks tumbled as analysts reconsidered their outlooks after a record-breaking year. B. Riley Securities cut price targets on Marathon Digital and Riot Blockchain. And that's your Bloomberg Crypto Update. I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Karen? All right, Renita, thank you. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Today, President Joe Biden will mark the first anniversary of the deadly Capitol insurrection, seeking to rally Democrats around voting rights legislation. Aides say the president will also take on former President Trump himself. Chicago public school classes are canceled again today after the teachers' union and CPS officials failed to reach a deal over COVID protocols. Australian Open champion Novak Djokovic has been denied entry into Australia. Federal officials overruled a state vaccine exemption for the tennis star. In the NBA, Kyrie Irving made his return as the Nets. Now the Pacers 129-121. The Celtics, Wizards, and Warriors all lost. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Tank. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Michael, thank you. We're coming up to 620 on Wall Street Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Let's get a look a little bit more at the market reaction to this more hawkish Fed. Michael Hewson is with us this morning, Chief Market Analyst at CMC Markets. Michael, it's great to speak with you this morning. I see the sell-off continues in Europe, but we're looking at a bit of a pickup uh, to some extent for 
U.S. futures. Is this a little bit of dip buying, or could we see more selling in U.S. equities? Yeah, I think I think that's the big question. You, you talked about the Dow futures actually being higher and the NASDAQ futures being lower, and I think that's where the pressure is likely to come. It's in the more highly valued areas of the market, namely the NASDAQ. Not for nothing have we seen big declines in that on the back of higher bond yields. What surprises me, I think, more than anything, is why it's a surprise that some Fed officials will be discussing the prospect of balance sheet reduction. Ultimately, I think talking about balance sheet reduction is a long way short of actually doing it. And let's not forget, Nathan, that the Fed is still adding to its balance sheet. It would be very surprising to me if the Fed, after um, ending its taper, would suddenly do an abrupt handbrake turn and then start reducing the size of its balance sheet so quickly. So I think there's an element here that um, markets are afraid that the Fed might be minded to probably tighten too quickly because of concerns about um, much more persistent inflationary pressures. And I'm not seeing any evidence of that, because if you look at this week's data, um, particularly in the prices paid, we've actually seen prices start to come down. So do you think that uh, this sell-off could go further? Is this a case of investors sort of trying to get ahead of a potential balance sheet unwind here? And if so, how much farther could things go? Well, let's not forget Apple hit a $3 trillion market cap earlier this week. So I think there's certainly room for a little bit of profit taking um, given current valuations. Let's not forget the S&P 500 hit a record high on the first trading day of this year. Now, obviously, interest rates are going to go up. Um, The bigger question for me is not more a case of when the first rate hike occurs, but how quickly they occur and how aggressive they are. And given the current uncertainty, I think what we're seeing today is indicative of what we've been seeing over the course of the past couple of months. We've seen big moves to the downside. We've then seen subsequent rebounds back to the upside. Ultimately, the picture is still very, very uncertain. And certainly, I think if you look at the S&P 500, um, we're still within touching distance of those record highs. Could we go lower? Absolutely. I mean, we could fall all the way back to 4,500, which was essentially the lows back at the end of November and the beginning of December. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to come crashing off. Saw a note this morning from Goldman Sachs strategist saying European stocks could be a haven play against higher U.S. rates. Uh, What do you make of that? Is that how you see it? That's certainly how I see it, certainly in terms of the FTSE 100. If you look at valuations of, say, for example, the FTSE 100 or even, you know, say, for example, the FTSE mid, the Italian stock market, um, a lot of these markets have seriously underperformed over the course of the past two or three years compared to U.S. stocks. Certainly, I would argue that U.S. stocks are much more frothy when you look at them on a a valuation basis. So I think there's an awful lot of merit in that argument, given the fact that the ECB is unlikely to be raising rates anytime soon. And even if they do, they're not going to be raising them much above zero. Only about 30 seconds left here, Michael. But do you see this as a potential spark for a firm rotation from growth to value in the U.S.? I think it could certainly be the catalyst for it. I think in terms of the NASDAQ, there is certainly potential for further consolidation 
if I can say that. I'm not going to say it's going to come crashing off, but certainly I think it's going to be very difficult for uh, the NASDAQ to make new record highs in the short to medium term. Thanks again for coming on with us, Michael. Great to speak with you once again. Michael Hewson is Chief Market Analyst at CMC Markets. Taking a look at markets right now, S&P futures are a little changed. Dow futures are still higher, up 76 points. NASDAQ futures uh, leading the declines uh, in the U.S. market this morning. They're down 66 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 3.30 seconds. The yield on the benchmark 10-year note is 1.73%. Just ahead, we'll get more on the sharp market reaction to the Fed minutes and teens coming a step closer to Pfizer boosters. As we check your top stories of the morning, this is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. Bloomberg 1130 weather will have a mix of sun and clouds and a high near 40 today. Winter weather advisory with one to three inches of snow tomorrow morning. Highs in the low 30s, mostly sunny low 30s for Saturday. Right now, 39 in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 6.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. Right now, U.S. futures are mixed following yesterday's tech sell-off. Ten-year yields are trading near their highest level since April after the Fed signaled a more aggressive timeline for interest rate hikes. Brian Levitt is a global strategist at Invesco. We should expect um, volatility to return to markets when we get unexpected results out of central bankers. So that tends to be where drawdowns and and volatility emerges out of unexpected policy decisions and policy uncertainty. Invesco Global Strategist Brian Levitt says he sees this sell-off as a buying opportunity. We're caught up in yesterday's sell-off, Karen, were the so-called meme stocks. And we get more on that side of the market from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. AMC down 11%, GameStop down 13%, and that helps send the basket of meme stocks tracked by Bloomberg to its lowest close since January 21st, when the market was swept up in the rise of retail trader-driven surges. The route dragged other retail favorites lower, including Bed Bath & Beyond and STEM Inc., which both fell about 11%. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thank you. We're also seeing Bitcoin trading at its lowest level since December's flash crash. Right now, it's at $42,800. And here with more is Bloomberg's Renita Young. Karen, the Fed's hawkish tilt saw Bitcoin fall by about $3,500. Other cryptos like Ether and Binance Coin also slumped to lows not seen since October. The entire sector is pretty much under pressure. Bitcoin mining stocks tumbled as analysts reconsidered their outlooks after a record-breaking year. Since its all-time high in November, Bitcoin is down about 20%. Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thanks. On the pandemic front this morning, we have a new recommendation on booster shots from the CDC. Agency advisors now recommend vaccinated teens as young as 12 years old get a COVID booster shot from Pfizer. 
And at the same time, Nathan, the impact of the Omicron variant is weighing on the health care system. U.S. hospitals are facing their worst staffing shortage in a year. According to Department of Health and Human Services data, about 20 percent of hospitals report critical staffing levels. And again, futures are mixed. S&P futures are little changed. Dow futures higher, up 80. NASDAQ futures lower, down 58. Ten-year Treasury down 8.30 seconds, yield 1.73 percent. The yield on the two-year, 0.85 percent. And NYMEX crude oil is up 1.6%. And straight ahead, we have your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports, and this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 633 on Wall Street, 39 degrees in Central Park, still dealing with the accident investigation that has the Jericho Turnpike closed both ways at Herrick's Road. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. President Joe Biden plans a blistering critique of Donald Trump as he marks the one-year anniversary of the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol with a speech that will warn of the dangers of misinformation and subverting democracy. Yesterday, Attorney General Mary Garland spoke at the Justice Department about the Capitol riot. Those involved must be held accountable, and there is no higher priority for us at the Department of Justice. Garland held a moment of silence for the law enforcement officers who died related to the attack. New York City Health Commissioner Dr. David Chotsky says the COVID data suggests the city hasn't yet hit a peak in the Omicron-fueled spike of coronavirus cases in recent weeks. Chonsky says the impact of gatherings at New Year's could still fuel another uptick. Vaccinate your child, get your booster dose, wear a high-quality mask, and look out for those who are more susceptible to severe COVID, whether an older adult or someone with a chronic condition. Dr. Chonsky says the seven-day average of positive cases rose to nearly 35% on January 2nd. New York Governor Kathy Hochul delivered her first State of the State address outlining an agenda for an economic comeback from the COVID-19 pandemic, housing, and renewable energy. Hochul also says she will accelerate tax cuts for middle-class New Yorkers. That means more than 6 million middle-class taxpayers will get more money in their pockets sooner at a time when inflation is robbing them of any gains in income. Governor Hochul also proposed a $10 billion plan to grow the state's health care workforce. Meanwhile, the governor is calling on state lawmakers to legalize the sale of to-go alcoholic drinks to keep bars and restaurants afloat. Defense lawyers for Ghislaine Maxwell are planning to request a new trial. A New York City jury convicted her of conspiring to recruit and groom teenage girls to be abused by Jeffrey Epstein. And then the revelation, a juror in the case, revealed he was a victim of sexual abuse. Loyola Law School professor Jessica Levinson says the main issue is whether the juror truthfully disclosed this ahead of the trial. The judge will essentially determine whether or not this apparent failure to disclose undermines Maxwell's right to a fair and impartial jury. Loyola Law Professor Jessica Levinson. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Thank you, Michael.
And it's 6.36 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stashauer. All right, Nathan. The unvaccinated Kyrie Irving not allowed to play games in New York due to the mandate, but he can play on the road. And the Nets recently changed their mind about letting him do that. So Kyrie made his season debut last night at Indiana. He played 32 minutes, scored 22 points. The Nets, after a brutal first half, came back, beat the Pacers 129-121 to end a three-game losing streak. There's a lot of gratitude just to... You know, be present tonight with everyone, you know, and just start there and have, have fun doing what we love to do. Irving was also asked his position on the vaccine. I know what the consequences were. I still know what they are. Um, but right now, I'm just going to take it one day at a time, like I said, and just enjoy this time that I get to play with my guys. Kevin Durant last night, 39 points for Brooklyn. Nixon Celtics played tonight at the Garden. The Rangers are in Las Vegas. St. John's won its Biggie's opener, 89-84 over DePaul. For Julian Zipagny, 34 points, 16 rebounds. The previous four games for the Red Storm had been postponed due to COVID. It was their first game in two and a half weeks. Tuesday, came word that Novak Djokovic, despite being unvaccinated, had been granted a medical exemption and that despite a mandate, he would be allowed to play the upcoming Australian Open, a tournament he's won nine times. So yesterday, he flew to Melbourne, but border officials say his visa did not include a proper reason for the exemption. They kept him at the airport. The latest word is that Djokovic has been allowed to stay in Australia until at least Monday. His lawyers have filed a legal challenge to the visa ruling in Australia. There had been pushback from those who felt Djokovic was getting preferential treatment. John Stash, our Bloomberg Sports. All right, John, thanks. 637 on Wall Street. Time to take a look at stocks. Some of the names moving in the pre-market. Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta is with us this morning to take a look under the hood after the big sell-off yesterday. What you watching, Kriti? Well, good morning, Nathan. You just mentioned that big sell-off, which is interesting because you have some downside stories, but they're not necessarily showing up into the stock because of how brutal the selling was yesterday. Let me give you one example here and kick it off with the cruise lines. Reuters reporting Royal Caribbean and Norwegian canceled some of their sailings, Royal Caribbean canceling its Spectrum of the Seas cruise for January 6th, and Norwegian canceling sailings as far out as April. Originally, they actually boosted their other peer. Remember, there's that trifecta of cruise lines, that third cruise line, Carnival Cruise Line, CCL is your ticker, up to the tune of 1.1%. But it looks like Royal Caribbean and Norwegian are climbing their way back in the pre-market. RCLs for Royal Caribbean up four-tenths of a percent, and Norwegian Cruise Lines, NCLH is your ticker there, up eight-tenths of a percent. Whether that stays into the regular session is going to be something to watch. Moving on to big tech, though, also a major uh, kind of victim of the selling yesterday. Alphabet's Google slapped with a record French fine of 150 million euros. That's 170 million dollars. by the nation's privacy watchdog, together with a 60 million euro fine for meta platform Facebook over the way the companies manage cookies. Yet again, Nathan, remember that brutal selling. Uh, it's actually pushing the stock up higher today. What goes down uh, or what goes up must come down and what goes right. down kind of bounces back. So Google in the pre-market, G-O-O-G, or I should say alpha, Alphabet, up three-tenths of a percent. And Facebook, or I should say Meta now, FB is your ticker, up six-tenths of a percent. Yeah, for now. Good point. Um, Exxon is the other one I'm watching. Iraq approving its state-owned Iraq National Oil Company to potentially purchase Exxon's interest in a huge oil field in the south of the country. This follows Exxon trying to sell their 32.7% stake to Chinese firms last year. That was not approved by the state. Nevertheless, XOM is your ticker up 1.4% as the company finally gets the nod from Iraq.
Real quick, Creedy, I guess we got a few more analyst calls this morning. Yes, Wells Fargo has been busy this morning cutting Target to an equal weight from an overweight with a $230 price target. TGT is your ticker, down 1.7%, as well as also announcing a $220 price target for Dollar General. DG is your ticker there, down 2%. Now trading, or should I say those shares closed at $233 yesterday, so not exactly good news for Target and Dollar General. All right, Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta with the pre-market look. And as we take a look at stocks as a whole ahead of this Thursday morning open, mixed action with S&P futures down a point and a half. Dow futures higher by 66 points. NASDAQ futures still lower after the big sell-off from yesterday in tech shares. NASDAQ futures are down 69 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 7.30 seconds of the yield just shy of 1.73%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, mix of sun and clouds today with a high near 40 degrees. Winter weather advisory for an inch or three of snow tomorrow morning. Highs tomorrow in the low 30s will be in the low 30s as well on Saturday. Right now, 39 in Central Park. Headlines and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update brought to you by SEI. Imagine your asset management firm's operational infrastructure as a competitive advantage. Let SEI show you how at SEIC.com slash IMS. And futures are mixed this morning. We are the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. Here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. That's right. U.S. futures are trading mixed after yesterday's plunge with Dow futures higher by 62 points. S&Ps are down too well. The NASDAQ futures lower by 68. The U.S. 10-year yield at 1.73%. Gold is down 12. Oil trading higher. And Bitcoin is down by 1.8%. Japan fell 2.8% overnight, while European markets are also in the red this morning. And back in the U.S. on the economic front at 8.30, initial jobs claims. And at 10 o'clock, factory orders, durable goods orders, and the ISM Services Index. After the Bellis night, Costco December total comp sales missed estimates. And regarding earnings this morning, look for Walgreens to report in the pre-market. In deal news, Viacom, CBS, and Warner Media are said to be exploring a sale of all or part of the CW TV network. And wrapping things up, Gilead was cut to equate over at Morgan Stanley, while Akamai was cut to neutral over at Piper. Live from the first of breaking news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, Bill, thank you. And to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk on your terminal, SQUAWK. And that's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael? Karen, thank you very much. President Joe Biden is planning a blistering critique of Donald Trump as he marks the one-year anniversary of the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol. President Biden will give a speech that will warn of the dangers of misinformation and subverting democracy. The president this morning will also call on lawmakers to pass voting rights legislation. Authorities in Kazakhstan say dozens of protesters have been killed in attacks on government buildings and at least 12 police officers have died. Australian Open champion Novak Djokovic has been denied entry into Australia. Federal officials overrule the state vaccine exemption for the tennis star. In the NBA, Kyrie Irving made his return as the Nets down the Pacers 129-121. The Celtics, Wizards, and Warriors all lost. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg Karen.
All right, Michael Barr, thank you. At 649 on Wall Street, we turn to news and science and technology now with the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. It is brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, ranked in the top 2% nationally for alumni mid-career earnings and number one in the nation for student upward economic mobility. Learn more at njit.edu. Now here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. A team of scientists are sailing to the place in the world that's the hardest to get to. 32 scientists are starting a more than two-month mission aboard an American research ship to investigate a glacier in Antarctica. Because of its importance, the United States and the United Kingdom are in the midst of a joint $50 million mission to study Thwaites, the widest glacier in the world by land and sea. China has recommitted itself to completing its orbiting space station by the end of the year and said it's planning more than 40 launches for 2022, putting it roughly level with the United States. The launch schedule shows how China's traditionally cautious program is increasing the cadence of its missions as it seeks to take a leading role in space exploration. And Alphabet's Google has been slapped with a record French fine of $170 million by the nation's privacy watchdog. And Facebook's meta platforms was also hit with a penalty over the way the companies manage cookies. Cookies are tracking devices that are placed on people's computers. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. Thanks, Karen. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios where it's coming up to 651 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in D.C. Some of the top stories in our nation's capital include President Biden's vaccine mandates heading for a Supreme Court showdown, the White House looking to ramp up COVID testing against Omicron, and former Fed Governor Sarah Bloom Raskin emerging as a lead contender to be the central bank's top regulator. Also making news, President Biden planning to mark the January 6th anniversary with a searing critique of former President Donald Trump. For more, we're joined by Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins. Emily, thanks for being here. Of course, January 6th was a dark day for the country, and this anniversary potentially could be a pivotal one for the Biden presidency. Yes, President Biden's planning a speech this morning where he's really going to to hit former President Trump. We've already seen excerpts from the speech saying that he's going to ask uh, whether America is a nation that accepts political violence as a norm. Uh, and one that allows partisan election officials to overturn uh, the, the will of the people. Those are questions that Biden's going to be putting to people in a speech. It's one of the numerous events that are happening today at the Capitol, uh, both from Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. We're not going to hear quite as much from Republicans today. A lot of them are traveling to Georgia for the funeral for the uh, late Senator Johnny Isaacson. But we are expecting to hear from several lawmakers, uh, Matt Gates of Florida, Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia, two Republicans. Uh, they're holding a news conference that they're billing as the Republican response. So that will probably get some attention today as well. With the president putting attention on former President Donald Trump, what does that say about the strategy for the president going forward? What could the political impact be? So right now, President Biden, his ratings are not great. Uh, it's sort of was downward slope beginning with Afghanistan back in August and now continuing with concerns over Omicron variant CDC guidance, the whole um, Build Back Better economic plan currently being on ice right now. And so there is a chance that by focusing on Trump, Biden can boost his, boost his own ratings. That could be part of the strategy here. I think there's also is a, just a human element to it as well. I mean, Biden is someone who worked in the Capitol for 36 years of his life. This is essentially equivalent for him seeing his, his own office building and his own coworkers being attacked. 
And we also know from the White House that the president plans to use this anniversary to sort of put a spark around voting rights legislation to get Democrats rallying around that. Is there momentum uh, for voting rights reform on Capitol Hill? There is momentum for voting rights reform, and we're going to see the president go down uh, to Georgia a little bit later uh, next week and wind up uh, continuing to push for voting rights. The issue is that the momentum is not enough. Uh, It's within the Democratic Party largely. It's not within the Republican Party. Uh, To do move anything on that, they would need some sort of rules change that would allow Democrats to move forward without Republicans. And at this point, there doesn't seem to be enough support within the Democratic Party to make changes big enough for actual legislation to pass. Um, Schumer has been trying to get voting rights through for, for months now, and multiple attempts have fell short because there aren't barely any Republicans willing to join Democrats on some of the reforms being proposed. Looking to the rest of what's happening in Washington, of course, the focus is going to be on the January 6th commemorations. But we could be right back into focusing on the pandemic tomorrow with President Biden's vaccine mandates heading to the Supreme Court. Yeah, the Supreme Court's going to hear arguments on Friday for two different administration rules, both dealing with vaccines. One is requiring that companies with more than 100 workers require those workers to get vaccinated or regularly tested. And the second one requires workers for facilities receiving government health care funding to make sure that they are vaccinated. Um, both of these could involve millions and, and millions of workers. Could it wind up impacting the percentage of people in this country who are vaccinated currently after a year? It's only at 62 percent. Um, lots of questions about exactly how the court is going to rule. We've seen them in the past knock down things like the eviction moratorium that the Biden administration put in place, saying that that was overreach. At the same point, we've seen them sort of uphold some vaccine mandates at the local level uh, against potential religious objections. So I think it remains to be seen exactly what the outcome is going to be. But this is uh, a case that's been expedited and certainly one that's going to be watched closely. Now, we got news from the Supreme Court yesterday that all nine justices have received their booster shots. I wonder if it'd be too much of a stretch to say whether that could imply where this case could be going. I mean, it's definitely an interesting detail. Of course, as judges, they are supposed to be keeping their, their personal opinions and, and preferences out of this to focus on the law and what's there. And I mean, this is a Supreme Court that does tend to lean conservative. And, and that part of that means that the, the court's not particularly inclined to be granting the U.S. government powers that it doesn't have. And, and this would ultimately be implemented uh, through, through the Department of Labor, through OSHA and their safety standards. And it's really a question whether or not the law allows them to do this. All right. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins with us this morning from the nation's capital, where, as we've been reporting, the focus is going to be on the commemorations marking one year since the riot, the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. Stay with Bloomberg Radio throughout the day. We're going to be bringing you President Biden's remarks from Capitol Hill. Uh, They're uh, scheduled for 9 a.m. Wall Street time. We will have live coverage of the president's speech that 
at that moment right here on Bloomberg Radio. And, of course, you can read uh, more about all that's happening in the nation's capital on Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal and listen to Bloomberg Radio in Washington at Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Looking ahead to the market open, uh, we're seeing mixed action in uh, futures contracts with S&P futures down a point right now. Dow futures up 70. NASDAQ futures are lower by 70 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 8.30 seconds. The yield 1.73%. Yield on the two-year 0.85%. NYMEX crude is up 1.2% or 95 cents at 78.81 a barrel. COMEX gold down a, a percent and a half, down $27.40 at 17.9770 an ounce. Bitcoin, $42,870. Bloomberg Surveillance up next. For Karen Moscow, I'm Nathan Hager. And this is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.